Touchdown turnover back by Alcoa 10 Federal Credit Union, a place where you belong. Better rates and better service. Ben McKee, Jason Swain, hope you are having a great Friday morning. We made it. We made it. We made it. Another good week of college football around the conference. Um, I know Ben typically on Friday throws out the matchups for around the SEC, um, but I want to look at some of these matchups, Ben, and you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ranked teams this week inside the SEC. Seven ranked teams inside of the SEC this week. Touchdown turnover. That number will remain the same on Sunday. Touchdown turnover. That number will remain the same on Sunday. So Arkansas is 17th. They play Auburn, Ben. Florida is 20th. They play LSU. Texas A&M is 21. They play Missouri. Kentucky is playing Georgia, who's number one. Kentucky's number 11. Alabama's five. They play Mississippi State. And then Ole Miss, 13. They play Tennessee. Do we see that number remain the same tomorrow when the new polls are dropped? Seven ranked SEC teams. Do we see that same number tomorrow? Touchdown turnover. Touchdown. I think so. I don't see Auburn beating Arkansas. I don't see LSU beating Florida. I don't see Missouri beating Texas A&M. Uh, Kentucky, Georgia, I, I think Georgia wins that game, but Kentucky's not going to fall out of the AP poll when they're 11th and after losing to number one Georgia. I don't see Mississippi State beating Alabama, and, and even if Mississippi State were to win that game at home, pull off the upset, Alabama's not going to fall from five to out of the top 25 poll. Here you go, Ben. This is where you're going to change your answer. No, because even if Tennessee beats Ole Miss, Ole Miss isn't going to fall out of the, the AP poll either. So, but what about Tennessee? Well, well, ten, ah, I see what you're saying. Can, can ah, ah, see what I did there, Ben? I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> if, if, Tennessee's, if Tennessee wins, then yes, Tennessee will be ranked inside the, the top 25. But I'm not picking Tennessee to win. So I'm I'm sorry to be a Debbie Downer. You all can you all can can throw hate my way, slander me on the text box, tweet at me. I get it. You you can throw it in my face if I'm wrong, but I, I think Tennessee Tennessee loses tomorrow. Um against Ole Miss. So we can get into that uh, a, a little bit later. Uh or or right now if you want to. But uh I, I don't I don't see Tennessee I'm not picking Tennessee to win, so I don't think Tennessee will be ranked. If Tennessee gotcha. is able to win, which I certainly think is possible, pl- please do not get that mistaken. I- I'm not saying that Tennessee does not have a chance. I- I'm I'm just not picking Tennessee to to win, uh, but I certainly believe it, it's possible, and I believe there's a good chance of Tennessee winning. I I, I really do believe that. I, I think it's a a toss-up game that uh, I, I, I think can go either way. Uh, I just I, I think Ole Miss's offense is going to prove to be just a little too too much. So uh, that's why I'm picking Ole Miss to, to win this football game. So, no, I do not think Tennessee will be ranked on Sunday. 
I think we're going to see a change, man. Uh, I think we're going to see a change in that number. Uh, the touchdown turnover is will the SEC remain at seven ranked teams on Sunday, touchdown turnover. I'm going to go turnover. I think there's going to be more. Um, I think Tennessee is going to is going to find a way to win. I did pick Tennessee to win last uh, this Sunday on the locker room. That's one thing about making picks on the locker room is that the show is on Sunday, and there's a lot that happens between Sunday and Saturday. But I did pick Tennessee to win on Sunday, so I'm not changing it now. But I do see why you picked Ole Miss to, to win, and I have no problem with that at all uh, if we're being serious. Now, if I want to give you a hard time, then I, you know, I can, I can, but I'm not going to do that, man. Cause I'm going to be serious. Cause I, I know how sometimes, you know, things are taken out of context, out of hand and words are put in people's mouths. And I, I don't want that for you, Ben. I know, I know how folks can be. So on a serious level, if people were, you know, betting their money, where would you bet your money? Like if you had to put your house on it, you know, would you, who would you pick? Would you pick Ole Miss or Tennessee? And so, I don't have a problem with you picking Ole Miss. I understand it completely. Uh, I think Tennessee has been playing out of their mind right now. I think Tyon Evans' status really scares me because I don't know how confident I am in um, Whitehead's ability to run the football east and west when he needs to, like making guys miss in space. I mean, his his runs have been north and south. He's been you know, a guy that runs just just straight. That's it. And he's done a good job of falling forward. He's done a good job uh, of finding the hole. But in this type of football game, you're going to need to make somebody miss. You're going you're gonna to have to have some wiggle. And so that puts a lot of pressure on Jabbar Small. Ty Nevins is not able to play. And he's already banged up with the shoulder. So that worries me uh, more really than anything else. We'll see what happens uh, with Ty and Evans' status uh, here in the next couple of hours leading up to the game tomorrow. But, yeah, I'm going to um, go turnover. I think there's going to be eight ranked teams. On Sunday, and, and Tennessee um, will be the the one eighth that ranked team. Becomes the mm-hmm. eighth. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll Tennessee definitely will be. be ranked if if they can pull it off. Uh, they'll be in mm-hmm. that twenty to the twenty five range. If if there was a team to lose and fall out of the top twenty five, who do you think it would be? Um, if you had to pick one, I, I know you probably don't think it. Well, it has to be either Texas A and M or Florida because they're. They're teetering in the twenties. Well, Florida is ranked twentieth. Um, Arkansas seventeenth. I don't. I mean, Four that could happen. Losing to to Auburn, I think could bump them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventeen. I can see seventeen to out. Uh, I, but I don't. You know, I don't think Arkansas is going to lose. But let's say they 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 did, and it's ugly. Then I can see them. You know, being on the outside twenty five. But yeah, Arkansas, Florida, Texas A and M, probably. Um, Arkansas is probably the, the team in danger the most, followed by Florida, and then followed by Texas A&M. I don't think A&M uh, needs to have anything to worry about Mizzou's defense. And then LSU seems like they are uh, in just just flat out disarray. But you can still look at the talent. It is a, a rival game between Florida and LSU. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think I think for Tennessee, man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to do. We'll have to have some breaks our way. We'll have to create some breaks our way for sure. Um, you just never know what might happen in the football game. Um, you look at that Iowa Penn State game, and you know Penn State is controlling the game for the most part, and then their starting quarterback gets hurt, and then Iowa makes their makes their run and wins that game. So, which quarterback can stay healthy, Ben? I mean, both quarterbacks are used in the running game. And last week, Kenneth Hooker had 20 
freaking carries. He had more carries than anybody else on this football team. So um, when Matt Corral's running, you never know, man. You never know if he may finish the game because he certainly got hit last week and it took him a little minute to get up off the, the ground, had to peel himself off the turf to get up and play the next play. So the quarterback's health in this game, something to watch because both guys are used in the running game. All right, let's go back to the phones. And let's get to Wade from Mississippi. Wade, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? Man, wonderful. Wonderful, Wade. Thank you for calling, man. First time caller. Uh, live down here in Old Miss country. So, actually graduated with someone who plays for Old Miss. He's not on the start line right now. But uh, I, I feel like we definitely need to get this win uh, to kind of shut up some of these Old Miss fans around here. But I have one quick question for y'all. Uh, When's the last time a first-year coach sold out a game in their first year? I wonder. I wonder if Butch did it. I I wonder um, because the apathy didn't really set in at that point. I wonder, like what what the attendance um, numbers were after Tennessee had beaten South Carolina in two thousand thirteen. Or that yeah, two thousand. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I just don't. I, I don't ever remember a first year coach selling out a game. So I feel like that's really good for Heupel in his first year to sell out a game this quick. You know, it's really big for him. It's huge. It's huge, Wade. I mean, the apathy was at an all time high. I mean, people were checked out, and, and rightfully so. I'm not blaming any fan for for being checked out. Mark was checked out. You know, calls in. I understand it. There was times I had to peel myself off. Peel, peel myself off the mat, you know. We can't afford to be tapped out, Ben. But man, we were so look, we were looking forward to baseball season and basketball season. That's for sure. Um, so, you know, we we we're human. We feel just like some of the Tennessee fans. And you know what, Hypel and company has done is is man, they've they've put a strong um, breath in basically some corpses that didn't have any breath. With this offense, with how these guys are playing, um, the the chemistry, the culture, you know, Danny White, you throw him in in the mix as well. Uh, him being able to listen to fans and get things done, and his response on certain things, like yeah, I mean, it's, it's been it's been it's been great these last couple of weeks for sure. You know, we dreaded football season, some of us um, going into the season. Now, this game is sold out. So, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, definitely enjoyable to watch some Tennessee football and points be put up on the board that's for sure heck yeah heck yeah Wade thank you so much man I hope that you are able to get the bragging rights that you are looking for I really hope so I really hope so that's a good question for Wade because the first season under Butch um, I don't know if, if, if the Western Kentucky game which was the first game of that the season that was not sold out no the that first game of the season under Butch was Austin P. Oh, it was Austin P. That's right. I didn't stroll up far enough. Austin P. And then now that Western was Kentucky. that that Austin P. Game was pretty packed. I don't know if it was a sellout though. It, it might have been. I I was at that game. No, it was ninety seven ninety seven thousand. Okay. It was close for for that game. Well, that, um, that's right up your alley for attendance anyway. So we might as well count it as a sellout, right? I'm cool with that. I'm cool with attendance in the nineties. <laughs> Uh, the Western Kentucky game was 86-7, so nope, you didn't get that. Um, 
I mean, you play Florida on the road. You play Oregon on the road. We did play Georgia here, and that was the 34-31 loss in overtime. Um, let's see what the attendance was for this game. Boy, my Wi-Fi here is not what I want it to be. It was a sellout. Georgia 2013, attendance 102.455. So take that for what it's worth. There's your answer, Wade. I can't get into all the, well, all the tickets were sold, but the seats were empty. I, I, I can't get into that eight years later, but I can tell you, attendance here says 102.455. And there's really not a reason at that point of the season why that game should have been sold out because Austin P, West Kentucky, you went on the road to Oregon and got absolutely trashed 59-14 to 14, and then we go on the road again against Florida and we lose again and it wasn't even a game. Like, it wasn't even a game. We get down early and we never really got back into it. We lost 31-17, to 17, but we're 2-2 two and two after the Florida game. And we play South Alabama. We three and two. We barely beat South Alabama by a touchdown. And then we come back and play Georgia. We three and two, playing Georgia, and you have a sellout. So we really didn't have a, a a reason on the field to get a sellout. I mean, our guys are playing hard, uh, but you didn't you didn't see a lot of fireworks. It wasn't a lot of hope with this group. Man, you've beaten two SEC opponents. Down, beating them down, and this offense and defense is ranked nationally in several categories. Um, so you've had even more reason to sell this thing out. Now, again, you've been through more coaches at this point, but I like the phone call from from Wade. Uh, it's something different to think about, but it is it is a sell sellout. And the last time a first year coach got a sellout was um, thirteen when Butch. Went up against Georgia. All right, let's go back to the phones. We've got Trevor. Trevor, Trevor good morning. Good morning, fellas. How y'all doing? What's up, Trevor? Not a whole lot. Headed to work. Uh, Going to get off early and head up to the head up to get ready to tailgate tomorrow. Just going to invite everybody from the Swain event down to. We're going to be up behind uh, the Hampton. I guess it's the Hampton Inn. Uh, downtown Knoxville. I got the whole parking lot up there. Bunch of TVs going to be set up. Barbecue, y'all come over. But uh, I mean, I appreciate the invitation, my friend. I had no problem. I got a little bit of, I mean, I don't know. I guess I was reading on uh, ball class last night. Everybody's all down and out. Now they think Evans is out. But uh, I don't know, man. I think, I think they're still going to be able to run the ball, even with just small and whitehead, because I think, I just think Old Miss's uh, defense is just awful. So, Correct. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's, it's going to hurt you a little bit, especially if small is not 100%. But uh, I still think if they have to respect the run, it doesn't slow down Tennessee's offense all that much. But we'll see what happens. My, my score predictions, uh, 45 to 38 Tennessee, but uh, I just, I just, that's just me wanting to be positive. <laughs> but 
I uh, I still have, I still I mean the Evans thing is still up in the air. I still think he plays. To be honest with you, I just don't don't think he'll be a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm with you, Trevor. I mean, when you um, when you look at the running back situation, and if Evans is 100 percent out, um, what you do lose is is the home run ability. You know, we've seen in two straight weeks Evans outrun um, SEC defenses, and I don't think anyone on this on this football team at the running back position um, can do that. At least they have not shown that. I think Small has ability to do it. But he's not done it yet. And so the difference between Tyon playing and not playing is the difference in, you know, a guy taking it to the house 45 yards outrunning the defense or maybe um, getting getting caught at 15 yards and now it forces us to have to go put together uh, more plays in a drive to go score. But when you are quick-hitting offense, you got a guy like Tyon Evans that can take one handoff and take it to the house Man, they just take so much pressure off of you and put so much on the defense. And if he's not playing, it forces us to now, all right, let's let's go, you know, eight plays here. Let's go, excuse me, eight yards here. Let's go you know, 12 yards here. Let's go five yards here. It just adds more plays to the drive and makes it a little bit more difficult. I still think we can run, though. I agree with you, Trevor. We still should be able to run. But now you open yourself up for holding calls. You open yourself up for, you know, negative plays. You open yourself up for just other things that can go wrong when you add more plays to the drive. But I still think we can run the ball. Uh, let's get to Caleb. Caleb is next, and then Jonathan. Jonathan, uh, Caleb, good morning. Hey, what's up, Swaino? What's up, Caleb? Man, we are wonderful, hey, man. Thanks for letting me call a couple of weeks ago, man. I appreciate y'all letting me get all that off my chest. We were talking about passion. I appreciate y'all doing that, man. Thanks for doing what y'all do. Anytime. Yeah, man. Hey, so I've been thinking a lot about this, too, this week, man. And, and I know it ain't about tipping to the players, and it shouldn't be, for the record. But for the fans, if you want to bury the last 10 years or the last 11 years that we've been up and down, you want to bury that, you go out Saturday and you make it hostile as you possibly can. I hope Kiffin... Get smacked in the mouth with noise, man. I don't want them to be able to hear. I don't want them to be able to talk. I was at that 2004 Florida game. That stadium was literally shaking. I know yep. that they, they talk about the Oklahoma game, but, man, that place was shaking. And it was. when it comes to kissing, like, I I don't like him, dude. Like, I to me, he's another Steve Spurrier. There's no Tennessee fan that should have any kind of support for this dude at all, especially if they knew everything that he really did behind the scenes. So I'm saying, let's go out there, let's make some noise, let's smack them in the mouth, and let's put Ole Miss back in their place, man. They ain't never been at the top. Tennessee has. If you want to bury the Butch Jones, you want to bury the, the Pruitt, you want to bury all this history that we got, you don't have to hear about it again if you go out there Saturday night and you beat Ole Miss. That's, that's my opinion. <clears throat> I love it, Caleb. I'm, I love it, Caleb. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, Caleb. I'm on board. I'm on board with that, Caleb. Yes, sir. Let's do it, man. I mean, I just I can feel it, man. You can feel something changing, you know. And, and I'm not getting too overhyped. I know people's like, oh, all you did was beat South Carolina, Missouri. I'm not getting too overhyped, man. I'm telling you, like I grew up on this. Like the way that it's been feeling this 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 week, it's the first time I felt it in probably 12 to 13 years. So let's capitalize on it, man. Like if Tennessee really wants to be back, we could talk all day long about all this other stuff going. And, look, it is a first-year coach. But you go out there, that's a signature win that sticks 
for everybody. It, it'll stick for the rest of the year, and you'll have game day, and you'll have all them boys talking about it again. Is Tennessee back? Like, you know what I mean? So that's that's my take on it. Y'all have a good weekend. Go balls. Let's go smack them in the mouth. Let's do it. Let's do it. And it's not just about beating Mizzou and beating South Carolina. It's not about just the win. It's how you did it and how you played. And that's and that's what's giving us hope. That's what's getting us hype. It's not just scraping by. It's the pure domination that we witnessed. That's it's the play calling that we witnessed. It is the development that we're witnessing. That's what it's about. Let's get to Jonathan. Jonathan, good morning. Uh, good morning, fellas. Uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. I just want to let you all know that I really, really appreciate listening to you all every morning. Hey, thank you uh, so much. Absolutely. So, uh, first question is, you've got your t- do you have your mattresses to burn yet? <laughs> no, Man, I don't, have, I don't have any extra mattresses to burn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I got uh, the flame. I got the flame if, I, if, if anybody needs one. I'll burn no, yours. Okay. I think we all have the fire burning inside us for that one right there. That's but, right. I think this weekend obviously needs to be more about just playing Lane Kiffin. I've just seen a lot on Twitter about that. I think it's more about getting behind this great team that we got going. I mean, it's uh, it's something to be happy about. We don't have a comedian as a head coach or Gump as a head coach or a used car salesman. I, I feel like we've actually got some positivity going. and We're cool, calm, and collected, and I think we're ready to erupt on Saturday. I agree. I agree, my friend. This is this is this is a this is a game where you can take a huge step if you're Josh Heupel, and you can't blame fans at the beginning. You know when Josh Heupel was hired uh, for their initial feelings, even though there were some guys like like us uh, here in this program that looked at it and go, "Hey, man, he's actually more qualified and more more proven than any coach that we've hired since since Johnny Majors." And look at his numbers and offensively, look what he's done. But I understand like a lot of folks felt a certain type of way about about the hire um but man we have we we have ourselves a coach who can who can who can dial them up uh on the offensive side of the football we have a coach that has a positive culture so far and we have lucked into a defensive coordinator uh when it at one point didn't seem like anybody wanted the job and we had to go out there and get a guy that's never coached in the sec as a defense coordinator but man right now it looks like we have lucked into a, a dang good uh, fit for Tennessee, so uh, there's a ton of reasons to be excited, be pumped up, and uh, we're gonna bring in Tom Hart here uh, shortly, who is calling this game from SEC Network for the SEC Network, and you now we had him on earlier uh, in the show, so I want to know what he has seen from his viewpoint, the difference between you know Tennessee a couple weeks ago and Tennessee now, as him and his his guys get ready for this game, and usually on a Friday this time, he is. Um, you know, probably about to meet up with the coaches. So we are very, very appreciative of his time joining us for a few short minutes to preview this game. So we'll take a quick timeout, and we'll be joined by Tom Hart of the SEC Network, who's on the call, play-by-play, uh, this Saturday, Ole Miss in Tennessee. Stay with us. Be right back.
While the other guys are taking guesses, the Swain event is taking you behind the scenes and in the huddle every morning from 7 to 10, right here. When you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at SwainEvent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street online at 42ST.com or give them a call at 865-382-7007. 42nd Street, brand, strategy, design. More and more Tennessee businesses are switching to Iris Networks for reliable, local, high-quality, high-speed business fiber internet. Iris provides direct internet access from 10 megs to 10 gigs with no payments for 90 days. Iris also offers next-generation business phones with work-from-anywhere capability from the mobile or laptop app. With local sales, support, and service, Iris is a partner in the community. Learn more at irisnetworkusa.com or call 865-448-IRIS. Iris Networks, a Tennessee business connecting Tennessee businesses. Litter is a big problem in Tennessee, but together we can do big things. We can make our cities, our waterways, our roads cleaner and safer. The Tennessee Department of Transportation is committed to reducing litter in our communities, but we need your help to do it. There are over 100 million pieces of litter in our roads at any given time, and it costs TDOT about $19 million a year just to clean it up. The first step to keeping Tennessee beautiful is to rally behind these three simple words. Nobody trashes Tennessee. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. If you're coming to Knoxville and need a place to stay, do yourself a favor and book a room at Hampton Inn Paper Mill, also known as the Hampton on the Hill. This award-winning property is literally in the top 5% of all Hampton Inn properties. The GM, Stephen Lawrence, is a good old local boy who grew up in the business around Knoxville. He and his staff are always available, always willing to help, and will go above and beyond for their guests. The newest Hampton Inn in Knoxville has clean, affordable rooms, flat screens, fridges, and microwaves in every room. Plus, breakfast is included in every rate. Not to mention, there's also a pool and fitness center on site. If it wasn't so close to amazing restaurants, bars, and shopping, you would never want to leave. At only six miles from campus, you're still right in where the big orange action is. Go to HamptonInn.com, search Knoxville, and book your room at the Hampton Inn Paper Mill, or call 865-693-5400. Out-of-town law firms have been swarming into East Tennessee lately. Firms from Memphis, Chattanooga, and Birmingham have stormed into the area. Wouldn't you rather do business with a local law firm? You know, a true neighbor. Marcos Garza and the pros at the Garza Law Firm are just that. They are our neighbors and friends that support local causes year-round. The Garza Law Firm works to serve you professionally on criminal matters, injuries and accident matters, and Social Security and disability filings. The Garza Law Firm is here for you at GarzaLaw.com. The Garza Law Firm, let us help. You don't have to take an L just because you can't listen to the Swain event live. You can catch up on the podcast posted daily on the app, online, and on iTunes.
Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. It's time to go to the Irish Network's hotline, get to our guy Tom Hart, who is calling the game this weekend with Jordan Rogers and Cole Kublik, SEC Network, 7.30 p.m. Tom, welcome back to Knoxville. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Man, we are wonderful, man. We we get excited when we see that you are uh, calling the game with Jordan Rogers and Cole Kubler. That means that means this game means something a little bit. How excited? Like like three too many Jacks excited, or like what? Let's put this in perspective. Um, like ready to go streaking through the quad, excited. Yeah, I can feel that. <laughs> we are excited, man. Tennessee right now four and two with a chance to beat a ranked opponent and possibly be ranked um, you know, ourselves. We know Lane and that offense is potent and powerful. Uh it's the first big night game of the year for us. Got Checker Kneeling. There's a lot of riding on it, Tom, and we, we, we thought we would dress up for you, man. So we check your Hold on a second. I was there earlier. bowling Green wasn't a big night game. Uh, not like this one, Tom. Not quite. We are checking and kneeling, my friend. We're we're coordinating our colors. Yeah, I'm gonna wear a mushroom belt and everything. That's how excited I am. <laughs> hey, hey, man. We <laughs> you you call this game between Tennessee Bowling Green. You just mentioned that first game of the season. You've watched Tennessee since then. You know, we dropped the game to, to Pittsburgh. We dropped the game to Florida. Like. How different has this team been from the first time you called this game to this point? Oh, I mean, just look at the offensive numbers the last two weeks. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, you know, and and you guys know well that it's not just it's not just one position, but the ability to run the ball um, is just astounding. I and mean, then we had a long talk with Kiffin yesterday, and he was. He gets on these little rants, right? And he's like, people just don't get it. Like, they, they see tempo, and they think, oh, you guys just you guys just throw the ball. He goes, well, it's us or Tennessee. Like, but look at the numbers. Like, nobody runs the ball more than us in Tennessee unless you're a service academy. And it's all, it's all predicated on the run. I, the game that really opened my eyes, to be honest, was the Missouri game. I was watching in the hotel room. I forget where, where I was. And every time I looked up, they're busting a 30-yard run between the tackles. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to some of the Missouri folks about it. How does, this, how does this happen? How do you get so out of position? Why can't you get hands on a guy? And it's all about the tempo. You know, the, the tempo puts, um, formationally, just put Missouri in a bad spot. And they had bad run fits. And uh, the Tennessee was just able to, run right by him. It didn't hurt that Missouri didn't seem interested in tackling uh, either, but that's that's a whole different story. Well, Tom, when you look at both offenses, man, they're one and two in the country uh, as far as um, plays per minute, and you you mentioned the run, and you know, you're calling this game. How do you? How do you and and Jordan Rodgers and Cole Kubik? How do you? How do you get a word in in between plays uh, this week with both teams going so fast on offense? It is. It is interesting from a television production standpoint because you have a lot less time to um, show replays, to put graphics in, to, to air packages, and those two guys. I mean, they can diagram plays with the best of them. I mean, Jordan's mm-hmm. illustration. It, it, I'll tell you. I'll give you a secret. I'll peel back the curtain a little bit. 
lot of times what we do is Cole will break down a play, especially on the offensive line, with Jordan telestrating it. And you never hear Jordan's voice. It's just Cole saying, all right, watch the double team when the center, blah, 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 whatever. And it's Jordan doing all the drawing and Cole doing all the talking. That's how in sync those guys are and how good they are to break down plays. So you will get less of that. Um, But I think, listen, the game's not about us. This this game is going to be entertaining on its own. Um, I think people want to see points. They want to see yards. They want to see offense. A far cry from when Saban in 2012 asked us if if this is what we wanted football to be because the answer is a resounding yes. This is what we want. (laughs) Tom, the last time you were in Knoxville, Joe Milton was getting ready to make his first career start. Now it's Hendon Hooker making his fifth start or fourth start on the season, and he's been absolutely rolling. Just what have been your impressions of Hendon Hooker from afar and kind of things that you've heard on on Hendon Hooker from from your pals and and maybe coaches around the league? Well, we'll we'll talk to the Tennessee coaches today and get a better feel for – you know, how this process worked and his progression as a quarterback. But I just think it, um, I I had this conversation last week with Mark Stoops and we're talking about, well, Levis is a big, strong arm quarterback, but up until the LSU game had been pretty inefficient. And I said, well, what would you rather have a dude who can throw it 70 yards or a guy who's going to complete 70% of his passes. And it's an interesting discussion, right? I mean, Milton's, incredibly talented, but but these offenses are predicated on you've got to get us in the right play and you've got to complete a high percentage. Look at what Will Rogers has done at Mississippi State. They average like five yards per air pass. Um, and, and what Mississippi State is able to do, what they did to A&M, and it'll be really curious to see what happens with Alabama, but what they do is they go, Five, four, five, six, seven, thirty. Five, four, five, six, five, four, three, thirty-five. Boom! And you know you catch catch defenses to get impatient. So um, no, I'm I'm really curious. Like I don't I don't know how this progression has worked for Hooker and and why this offense is running so well with him at the helm uh, better than better than what Milton was. I mean we know what we see on tape, but but what you hear from coaches and what really happens. Swain, as you know, is is totally different. Like what I think that's what fans have a really hard time with, just generally speaking. What we see on Saturday is just a snapshot and small sample size from what coaches see the other six days during the week and what they see and hear in meeting rooms and in the locker room and around teammates and, and stuff like that. But uh, you're generally more of who you are in practice than who you are on a given three-hour period on a Saturday. For sure, for sure. Tom Hart, SEC Network here on the Swain event. I know this game, uh, Tennessee Ole Miss, you're calling it, but I want to get your opinion on um, the SEC as a whole. Right now, there's Alabama, there's Georgia. Who's the third best team um, in this conference, and is it pretty obvious who the third best team is, in your opinion? No, it's a a crapshoot. I mean, it's – I used the phrase small sample size a second ago – College football is the ultimate small sample size sport because any game can turn on one play and who you are one week is not necessarily a reflection of who you're going to be six and a half days later. I think Texas A&M is a great example of that, right? I mean, whether they were holding plays for Alabama or just out of sorts, they looked 
terrible against Mississippi State. And then, and then they beat the number one team in the country, and it wasn't a fluke. So I think we're, you know, what we think is predicated on, on recency bias. And what we'll know at the end of the year is going to be drastically different. I'm just use Ole Miss for an example. This is a huge game for Ole Miss. Huge. If you look at the rest of their season, now granted, their defense is not very good, um, but obviously they can put up points. If they win this game, there's a pretty good argument that they could finish the season with only one loss. Um, you know, you look at Kentucky. I don't think Kentucky could beat Georgia. Um, yes, they have a puncher's chance but they have to take advantage of big plays and get chunk plays, and it's, it's obviously going to be hard to run against that front. Kentucky can lose this game and do it in a respectful manner if, if, if that matters to anybody, and they could finish the season with one loss. I mean, they're, they're looking right now at a New Year's Six Bowl game, and maybe better if they can, you know, if the chips fall where they may, we have – we have this chaos continues like we had in, in 2007. Um, so you never know. Um, I just think that Georgia is above and beyond everybody else. Alabama's uh, a tick behind, but show that they have a lot of holes. And the rest of it is a total crapshoot. I mean, re- remove Vanderbilt, remove Missouri, and put a huge question marker and asterisk next to LSU, who's, co- who's playing with a lame duck coach. And everything else is is gettable for for everyone else in this league. Tom, I asked this question with the understanding that this is just Josh Heupel's seventh game at Tennessee, but do you feel like we as college football, as a college football world, underestimated the Josh Heupel hire at Tennessee uh, because he wasn't as popular of a name as as a Scott Frost coming out of UCF? No, I, I think people have a pretty good feel for, for what Josh has accomplished as a coach. I mean, it's listen, it's fun, especially from an SEC perspective, to hate on UCF. It's fun to roll your eyes when they claim a national championship. Um, but, you know, if you're a true football fan, you've got to respect what they've accomplished there over the years. Um, I mean, look at, since Hypo left, kind of what they've been left with and their failure to, to retain that, that level of success. Uh, the first part of his job was to get Tennessee to a point of respectability and to build that baseline and then see where you go from there. Um, you know, I think this season is a great example of that. To be honest with you guys, and I probably shared this with you in August, based on all the talent that they lost, I didn't know that the offense was good enough to be a difference maker um, but it certainly has been. Now, let's keep into consideration and perspective who those last two wins came against. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I should I should have included South Carolina in that in that Vanderbilt discussion a minute ago. But um, you know, there's there's real challenges ahead for this Tennessee program, and so they they certainly have a lot to prove. And you know, Josh has a ton of wins under his belt coordinated a good offense when he was at Missouri, played in a great offense when he was at Oklahoma. Um, so this is, I just think that perspective is a word that often gets lost on college football fans. And yeah. Tennessee fans are no different, right? 
Mm-hmm. Keep perspective about where this program, I'm not telling anybody not to have fun tomorrow night. Like, I mean, it's going to be a party. It's going to be insanely fun. Um, and you wake up Sunday morning after, you know, after a win, by all means, go for it. But, but keep perspective on how tough this league is and, and those other opponents coming up are real. Like, Kentucky is real. And I think that's, from a matchup standpoint, that's a concern for Tennessee, regardless of what happens against Ole Miss. This Ole Miss game, it's like fighting fire with fire. I mean, it's going to be blazing all night. Tom, I believe earlier you said you, you had a chance to catch up with Lane this week. Could, could you sense that maybe this one meant a little bit extra to him? No, no. He's, you know, it, it means something to him when he diagrams a play that works, you know, when they execute. It means something to him when Barry Odom embarrassed him. That meant something to him with what Arkansas did against him last year. Um I, that was such a long time ago. I, I don't, I don't think it means a ton. When he was at Alabama, yeah, this game was important to him, and an SC game was important to him, and, and he would have scheduled the Raiders if he could have. But um, not, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's really worried about returning to uh, returning to Knox Vegas. It's going to be a good one. He'll he'll get a nice warm uh, reception from oh, Tennessee fans. Oh yeah, I can't wait either. It's gonna be, it's gonna be That's great. Yeah, Tom. Tom. Uh, quick, quick. Last question before we get you out of here. We know that usually on Fridays you're, you're slated to go talk to uh, the coaches, and certainly don't want to uh, take up any more of your time. But I, I do want to get your take on Checker kneeling on the way out. You know, of course the fans are involved, and we see it a certain type of way. Uh, from your vantage point, man, how do you see and view uh, Neyland Sta- Stadium being checkered out? I love it. I love it. I mean, it's, it, when you pull it off, it, it's, so, it's such a cool visual, especially at night. It's going to look awesome. But to me, it's a reflection of a, of a, bigger, um, a bigger movement that you have the fan base pulling in the same direction, that you have people invested in the program, that they care. Over the years when Tennessee has been underperforming, the, the Worst part was the apathy. Yes, you know it's one thing to have people people mad like that. That's okay. It's okay to be mad when the, your team's not performing well. When you don't care, that's a bad sign. But it's just hard to get those people back than when things go go right. So I think it's a, a reflection of having whole community buy in. And to me, that uh, not only is that important for a program, but I think it's really cool. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Seven thirty p.m. SEC Network, Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kublik will rock the mic like they always do each and every weekend, and we can't wait to, uh, to check you out for those that will be watching the game uh, on the tube. Certainly, Ben and I will be at the game, so we'll get a chance to hear you when we go back and replay the game uh, yeah, possibly Sunday. Yeah, yeah, we gonna, we'll, we'll be watching it. So, uh, you know, when we go back and check out the, the, the plays – you know, after the after the game, go back and double watch the game. So, Tom, thank you so much for your time, man. I really, really appreciate it. And I know you're going to rock it brother. tomorrow night. And uh, enjoy enjoy the broadcast this season. It's been awesome. Be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sure will be. Tom Hart, SEC Network, taking a few minutes to join us here on the Swain event, previewing this Ole Miss-Tennessee game. He has talked to Lane Kiffin already. He is now going to talk to Josh Heupel and company. And uh, remember – 
Tom Hart gets the thoughts of the coaches heading into this game, and these thoughts will be shared with the national audience. Mm. So pay close attention to what is said during these broadcasts because they get the information directly from the coaches. So, uh, and there's not a better trio in college football to me than Tom Hart, Rodgers, and Cuba. They do a great job. We'll, we'll take a um, let's let's wait. Two, let's roll. two and a half minutes. And, and let's do and it. We'll take let's a, do it. Take a, let's take do it. Let's I, do it. I want to mention this Tyon Evans situation because I know you're, you're being bombarded with DMs and text messages. I'm being bombarded. The text box is, is hopping and popping and whatever <laughs> word you want to use. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. John Bryce reported yesterday, according to WBIR Sports, that Tyon Evans was not going to be available. Tyon, which is, this is what is creating all the confusion, Tyon has texted, or not texted, but DM'd some fans that have DM'd him about whether or not he will play and has responded and and said that, hey, I'm playing. And he's kind of confused where the report is coming from. So uh, we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't have a thought. I don't know anything behind the scenes as to whether or not he'll play. Uh, My one thought on the situation, Swain, is that John Bryce does not put that out there unless it comes from somebody credible. And even if Tyon does dress out and and tries to give it a go, I I bet you that he he may be limited because, again, Bryce isn't going to put that out there just to put that out there. So uh, there's some smoke there. If Bryce is putting it out, and I wonder how limited Tyon will be, even if he is able to to try and give it a go. Yeah, I mean the the way I view this is, um, you know, I take my eleven years as as you know, a media person, experience inside the media, and then I take my my time here at Tennessee as a player, and during my time at Tennessee as a player. I've been in situations where I didn't know if I would be able to play early in the week because of because of injuries, and on a Thursday I didn't know if I was going to be able to be able to play because of a high ankle sprain. And you, you get closer to to the game. Um, in '06, man, I, I went to South Carolina. It was a away game. I'm wearing the boot. I didn't even bring my other shoe, my right shoe. I just brought my left shoe. I, I wore the boot the whole entire time, and I. I didn't think I was going to play. I didn't think I was going to play. And so mentally, like, it's tough when, like, you're 50-50. You don't know if you're going to really, really be able to go. Um, but I played. I played all four quarters. And I didn't know on a Thursday. I didn't know on a Friday. I really didn't know. So um, I approached this conversation with the utmost of caution because what someone is told on a Thursday can come back to bite them in the butt on a Friday if a player is responding fast to the treatment and to the medication. So it's it was just surprising to hear that on a Thursday. And yeah, Tyon may play, but how effective will he will he be? It only takes one one tackle low, someone rolling up on uh, whatever is bothering him to re-aggravate it. 
Or he may not feel it at all and power through. We just don't know, which is why we're being very, very careful in discussing Tyon Evans, you know, health. Because it's 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 touch and go. He may very well be out and not play, but he may very well play four quarters. And he could play two quarters. We just we just don't know. The body responds the way it wants to respond to medication, to treatment, and Let's let's let it get all the way to kickoff before we really, really, really uh, tell ourselves uh, whether he's going to play or not. Let's let's let the information get to us on Saturday before kickoff. We'll know then for sure. But he's very important, so I understand everyone's concern. Our three. Where would you rank Tyon on the important players list? On on a scale from what one to ten. Just if you oh, if you went through dude. and listed the most important players on Tennessee's football team, and you you can have the break to think about it if if you need it. We can come back and talk about this, but where where would you have Tyon on the list of most important players for Tennessee? Gotcha. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout. Hour three is coming up. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three is our telephone number. Hour three is powered by Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Stay with us. <laughs> 